This is the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you hit that like, subscribe, and notify button so you can be aware whenever a new episode is available. Also, leave a comment and a review. We would really appreciate that. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Uh, I mean, I'd have to be recognized. That's another thing that comes along with being a celebrity. Uh, none of those things are happening, I don't think. So, if we, if I go to your hometown, I'm not gonna. If I ask people who Armin Hammer was, they wouldn't, they wouldn't know. I'll no, they would just point to the giant statue. They'd be like, "He's that guy, right?" There's like a 25 foot bronze <laughs> yeah. statue of me, like Perfect. holding my son and like you know catching a wall ball or something. With the other hand. <laughs> Love. Well, we are live with Armin Hammer right here on the, the Clydesdale Media YouTube channel. Uh, this is the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. My co-hosts, Amy Radowski and Kat Shear are with me. And the aforementioned Armin Hammer as well. We wanted to catch up with Armin. Um, he holds the record currently as the longest podcast we have ever produced. Sweet. Oh, really? Yeah, just by, you edged out Dex Hopkins by like three minutes. Oh, wow. Dex is a talker, too. I wonder what yeah, that says about me. Uh, well, <laughs> we, I, we the last time we had you on, we we kind of went through your life. Yeah. And I think we got all the way to third grade before we ran out of time. Yeah, uh, that sounds about right. That sounds right. A lot happened. You know, kindergarten was crazy. Yeah. Well, you've been busy since we've talked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, my wife and I had a baby. She did all the work. Uh, yes. and now that baby is sleeping for the first time in nine months. No, he's, uh, he's doing great. He's, uh, we just went out on a little coffee date with him this morning. Um, he's taking his little like midday nap or late morning nap right now. Um, it's been a crazy, crazy experience being a dad. I mean, it really has been wild. My entire life was just flipped upside down in an instant. And, uh, you know, there's no looking back from that. So it's been So how does he really take cool. his coffee? <laughs> uh, if it were up to him, he would, uh, he would, I, he doesn't care if it's hot or cold. And all he <laughs> wants to do is slam it into things. So you just bat it away or grab it and bam it into the ground uh, or the coffee table or, or really anything. Uh, he would just want it to be the most chaotic experience possible. And he's really good at that. <laughs> can you can you tell us a little bit about the birthing experience without getting into too much graphic detail or personal detail with Katie? But yeah, sure. Of course. Like? Yeah. You know, we um, we had we planned, so we had a hard time getting pregnant to begin with. You know, it took us it took us a couple of years, and uh, you know, we had a couple of misfires there, and then finally, um, you know, we got pregnant at the very like the tail end of 2020, um, and we were planning on doing a home birth. Uh, we kind of always had that in mind. Katie worked in the um, healthcare space. She was a nurse in the ER for a year. And then she was a nurse at a maternal fetal medicine clinic for a year. So, and that was while she was pregnant, which was like both a benefit because she got imaging all the time, but it was also yeah, a little bit awful. of a detriment because yep. she was, she was sort of seeing like the, the, the worst case <laughs> scenarios a lot. Like she was seeing really like heart wrenching, like difficult scenarios. So I think it added a little bit to our stress mm -hmm. that way. Um, but I think both of us were sort of 
interested in having a process that we had more control over. So we, we picked um, this idea of doing like a home birth. And then in the middle of her pregnancy, we moved. So we moved from Austin to LA, uh, which is where my family's at. And uh, we figured we'd be closer to family for a little bit, you know, early on in, in our son's life for, for a little while, try it out and see how it goes. And so we found a, uh, we found a pair of midwives that work out here and they had hospital privileges as well in case we needed to get into a hospital. And what ended up happening was we hit our due date. So we hit 40 weeks and nothing. And then we hit 41 weeks and nothing. And suddenly it was kind of coming up against the wire. You know, our, our midwives were very comfortable home, home birth, home delivery up until about 42 weeks. And we were kind of getting into that 42nd week. We had a couple appointments with, um, uh, an OB that they work with and eventually just made the decision to, you know, set a hard date. Like if she hasn't gone into labor by this date, it was like, you know, I think we had a, a couple of appointments on a Friday and then we had a couple of appointments on a Saturday and both times the OB was like, you should probably just stay and induce right now at the hospital. And my okay. wife and I were both like, mm, not going to happen. Like that's, <laughs> that's the exact opposite scenario. Like that's what we're trying to avoid. Like oh, we're trying right. to avoid the, you know, railroaded into decision after decision after decision that we don't necessarily feel like we had agency in. And yeah. so we, uh, we, we basically like put a hard stop. We said, listen, if we don't go into labor by Tuesday on our own, we're going to come in Tuesday morning for an induction. That's, that's what ended up happening. We came in on Tuesday, mm -hmm. we started an induction and, and just over 30 ish hours later, uh, our son was born the next day is born July 21st. So he was yeah, very was, comfortable in there. Uh, I mean, it was, was the happy. best we could make it. Yeah, <laughs> it was the best we could make it. He was, he, he, uh, you know, I think, I think her body was ready. Um, it didn't take a lot to sort of start the labor, the process of labor. Um, but we, you know, happily it was, uh, it was healthy. Uh, it was, it was not, I'm not going to say it was pain-free cause it definitely was not pain-free. Um, but it was, it was the best that we could do in the circumstances and both she and, and our son came out of it, um, healthy and, and happy. So. And that's, yeah, that's a good message for later on with parenting, that it's nice to have plans. Like it's a great idea to have plans, but to be flexible with those plans <laughs> is really important. Yeah. I mean, he, even before he was born, he was already starting to call the shots and I, it was, I, we didn't, we couldn't see it at the time. We couldn't see that it was really a precursor of what was to come, but uh, he's very, very headstrong. And it's clear, it's clear that he was still, he was already pulling, pulling out, pulling out all of his tricks real early on. So, did you guys find out the gender uh, beforehand? We did not. No. So we did it as a surprise. We we kept it a surprise. Okay. Uh, in fact, we kept it a surprise, and we discussed names. But I was so convinced we were going to have a little girl. Like I was so convinced. I was like, this is definitely going to be a little girl. One hundred percent, we're having a little girl. We didn't even talk about boy names. So he's born. You know, and I, I got to call it, right? He, you know, he, he comes out, our, our midwife catches him, and then she like holds him up. And I was like, it's a boy? Like, I don't know what a name for this guy. Like, I don't know what to say. I was so surprised. Uh, but, you know, we ended up, uh, we ended up coming to, uh, we ended up coming to, to figure out a, a, a name for him that's more, uh, it's a little, it's a traditional Armenian name, um, but it, it basically, we shorten it down to Lev, so L-E-V, mm -hmm. 
Um, so yeah, our little live is just running around and, and having a great time these days. So what does a, what does a day in the life of you guys now look like? Um, you know, these past, uh, we, so we, we moved to LA almost exactly a year ago, about a year and a week ago. So, uh, it's been a really whirlwind year. I mean, if there was any type of change that could happen in a person's life, like we've basically gone through that, uh, professionally, uh, you know, personally, you know, where we live, all, how we spend our time, all of that just got completely flipped around. Um, and so our, our time spent over the past, like nine, 10 months, ever since our son was born has actually been almost entirely with both of us, you know, at home with him, and hanging out and it's been amazing. I mean, it has lit is literally been the best possible way that we could have done this. Um, you know, we both miss Austin a ton. We miss the network that we had out there. We miss the, the friends and family that we had out there. Um, and, and California has a lot of its own challenges um, to, to, to figure out and overcome. Where we live luckily is kind of insulated from a lot of that. Uh, it has a very small town feel. It's very pleasant, Bill, um, the neighborhood that we live in, which is great. And it it's just been a really cool opportunity. I mean, we'll wake up in the morning, you know, for example, like today, I I teach um, I teach a couple jujitsu classes during the week is just an opportunity for me to get some of my, you know, training in. Um, and I'm awake really early in the morning anyway. So I teach early morning jujitsu classes a couple times a week. Uh, so I'll wake up around five ish. Um, at that point, if Lev hasn't, you know, made his way into our bed at some point in the middle of the night, I'll probably just grab him and bring him over to, to Kate. Um, then I'll go coach, uh, in the morning. I'll be back by like seven, seven thirty. Um, you know, we'll hang out with Lev. Maybe Katie has like a yoga class or something. And like, you know, she'll go do that while I, so we trade off in the mornings and then, um, Today we went and had like a little coffee date, uh, went to the little hipster coffee shop down the street. Uh, they were a lot more polite now this time than they were the last time we went. We had, the last time we went to this little hipster, hipster, hipster coffee shop, the, uh, the lady working the front, the cash register was just not really pleasant. I was like, is this the vibe at this spot? Like you guys have a really good pastries and you have breakfast tacos. Like I ha I'm going to come back. There's like, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, that I'm definitely coming back and you don't have to be really that, that pleasant, but they're actually very, very pleasant today. Um, and so we went, had some coffee, had some breakfast, um, came back. He's taken a nap. We played around with him for a little bit. He's like in that age right now where he, um, He's very, very curious, and he's very, very confident that he knows exactly what he wants, even though he doesn't always know exactly what he wants. So he, like, crawls around, and he plays around with a bunch of stuff. He's, like, just starting to learn how to stand on his own. Um, so he's getting close to kind of taking his first steps. And so we're really kind of trying to create an environment in the living room where he, like, go from thing to thing. So he's very active around the house. Um, he just loves to play around with the dogs. and on furniture. Oh yeah. I mean, if there's an open door, he'll close it. If there's a closed door, he'll open it. Uh, he has his own little, in our kitchen, you know, we realized we have to like sort of childproof the cabinets. And my solution to that was just to get like a, an industrial bag of rubber bands and just rubber band all the handles closed. So, uh, you know, he has like one cabinet that's around that that's on the floor level that 
is his stuff. It's like his little plates and his little spoons and stuff. So he just like rips it open and just starts flinging things behind him and like slamming them into the ground. And yeah, he's, he, find, he, we have a stool that he loves to like grab and flip over. He doesn't have teeth yet, but then he'll grab like the, the leg of the stool and he'll just like nosh it so hard with his gums that he leaves gum imprints. I mean, like this kid is so intense. He just has like this like intensity to his existence. It's amazing. It's so much fun. Um, but yeah, our, our regular day is is very much split around, you know, Katie loves to do stuff around the house, like gardening stuff. And, you know, we'll essentially take turns with him running our own errands or being with him. Uh, we like to just tag team and double team actually as much as we can. So if we can spend time with them together, we spend as much time with them as we can. We just drag them along to everything that we do. I mean, we travel with them. You know, we went up to visit Katie's family. She, her family's in Washington state for the first, and I mean, by the time he was like six months, we had been on five or six flights with him. I mean, we, we, we flew with him a lot. We took him to Washington. We took him to Austin. We took him um i think we even took him to vegas we took we took him all over the place i mean he he just comes with us I mean, what's he what else is he gonna do he has no option so yeah, you're kind of in yeah. charge of him yeah he, that's it's not like he can really say no and he's actually been a really um he's been a really pleasant traveler so we i think we might have either lucked out and go and knock on my desk on that one but we either lucked out or or uh or we just do one thing right so i'll take either one of those <laughs> So how does he get along with the dogs? And more importantly, how do the dogs get along with him? He loves the dogs. He loves the dogs. I mean, he, if, uh, so we have, we have three, we have Sonny, we have Loki and we have Bowie and Sonny is getting, uh, up in, up in the years now. I mean, he's turning 11, uh, next month and, you know, Sonny will lay on the couch and Lev will spot him from across the house. I mean, like literally across the house. And he will just beeline for Sonny. And Sonny's just like, whatever, man. Like, if you're going to come over here, come over here. So he'll be on the couch and then he'll, you know, level, like, crawl, 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 get up there, stand up on the couch. And then he'll, he'll like, grab Sonny's paw and just, like, up, like, put his <laughs> mouth on it. Or he'll grab Sonny's face and, like, put his nose in his mouth. So we're trying to, like, maybe stop that behavior the best because with our dogs, it's fine. Like, you know, we're there, we're always around. We're not going to let him do that on his own. But like, maybe if he gets used to doing that, he's going to try that with other dogs and we can't guarantee that other dogs are cool with it. So we're trying to, to kind of get him in a, a better uh, habit with, with, you know, personal space with dogs. We're trying to teach him like gentle, don't grab their face, don't grab their nose, that sort of thing. But he loves Sonny. You know, he, he always makes a beeline for Sonny. Loki is very wary of him. She's like, she tolerates his, pre his presence. So like, he'll go over and try and do the same thing to her and she'll spot him and she'll move. She'll be like, nope, I'm done. Like, she'll like run away. She'll go to the other side of the house. She's like, I'll go lay down somewhere else. Like, you're not, I'm not playing with you right now. And Bowie is, is basically just, he's like a rug. I mean, if he'll just lay on his back until... Lev comes over and just plays the drums on his chest. It's it's really really cool. Yeah, the dogs are great with him. So, what has been the the favorite moment as a father? Um, wow. My absolute favorite thing I've ever done in my entire life. I can't think of a single thing that has brought me more joy than making that baby laugh. Like, it, it just mm -hmm. making him laugh is really easy because there's like a little spot that he like 
it's ticklish on his ribs. Easiest thing on the face of the planet. But it's like literally the best, most joyful, happiest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um, and yeah, I mean, that right there is it. I, the first couple months, you know, I, I'm, I wasn't very useful. I was essentially like a, like a participant as opposed to a dad. Like I was basically like, hey, I'm a supporting actor in this relationship between <laughs> my wife and my baby. Um, and I'm totally okay with that. I knew going into it that I was going to just be playing a supporting role. And um, I'm very, very happy that I did that. Uh, and I'm very, very lucky that I, I, I get to be home and be with him. Um, you know, a lot more than a lot of other people might in, in uh, you know, being new dads. And so it's been really, really nice to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, I think after that first couple months, once he first started recognizing me and like not being upset with me because I was just the guy who would like change his diaper. So he went from being like warm and comfortable to being like naked and cold and like I'm the face that's like over him as he's doing that. <laughs> Um, once he started recognizing me and being like, oh, hey, there's that guy. That guy's pretty cool. Um, he really made that that time a lot, a lot easier to deal with and a lot more fun. But it's just like every single day he gets cuter and he gets more exciting and more interesting and more engaging. And it's just it's pretty mind blowing. It's pretty mind blowing. Yeah, I think the crazy thing for me is people describe what parental love is going to be and there you don't ever get it. Like you don't get it until it happens. Then the moment it happens you're like now I know what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 wild. I mean, um, you know, there's a there's a sense of like loss. There's a sense of mourning of like the life that I had before he was born because it's gone. Like I'll never ever be able to live my life the way I did before he was born. Um, you know, I think Katie sent me a meme this morning of like this guy pouring himself, like just like a huge cup of coffee. And then uh, uh, the caption is something like uh, me realizing that, you know, my, my choices mean that I can never sleep in again. And in the background is like his kids having breakfast and they're labeled my choices. <laughs> so, it's like, yeah, so it's like the consequences of us having a child means that like we're losing essentially a lot of our autonomy as like individuals and as a couple. Um, and, you know, that trade off was definitely challenging. I think it's been really challenging to sort of figure that out. But the payoff for that is like this unending fountain of love and and engagement and it's just something that has gotten deeper and more and more powerful every single day um i have i honestly don't know what it's going to be like you know years from now like I, I i can't even think about the day that like he actually has an opinion and then shares it with me with words like that blows my mind that at some point he's going to be like not this dad this so i'm gonna be like who taught you that who taught you <laughs> to want this flavor as opposed to that flavor like that makes no sense that's crazy but he's like his own little person who's like half of us it's really weird yeah and it'll, so, it'll be here before you know it, too. I know that it used to drive me crazy when people always say, like, oh, time goes by so fast. I'm thinking, yeah, whatever. And, you know, 19. I got a 19 and a 16, and I have no idea what happened. Like, yeah. how did I get here? It's yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to 
you know, if I could slow it down, I would. And I, I'm, I don't know how to do that. I think there's like a, a sense of like presence that I've been trying to work on. It's like be there. Um, that's really challenging, but uh, it's, it's, you know, I think that's one way of doing it, but I'm all ears. I mean, like I'm, I will happily listen to any and all takes or advice because worst case scenario, I'm like, mm, not for me. And then I right, don't right, worry about right. it. Right. But like, I'm absolutely all ears to any sort of, you know, parenting takes or advice, because like, what do I know? It's my first kid. I, I have nieces and nephews, but it's very different when someone hands him to you and is like, well, keep him alive. And it's like, what? <laughs> I don't, I don't so, know what you mean. Like, you know, yeah. you're speaking my language. This is what I do for a job. Yeah. Yeah. So you hit me up when you want to talk kid stuff. Okay, great. That's exact. I mean, I, I'm absolutely like I said. I'm all yours. I I love, um, I love the learning process. There's been a lot of like, you know, I think we did this right, and there's been a lot of like, mm, maybe we shouldn't have done it this way. Um, and you know, I'm never, I'm, I'm never one to be like, oh my god, I regret that so much. Like, I can't believe I did that. I, I very much feel confident that like, you know, even looking back at some of the things that I definitely would do differently kid related or not like whatever mm -hmm. part of my life it is i know that in the moment i was making the right decision like i know that based off of what i knew at that point i was making the right decision i was making the right call the best call that i could mm -hmm. um and sometimes that's trade-offs that i didn't realize what the actual trade-off was going to be and i didn't realize what the actual price i was going to pay was and you know you learn you learn from those things so i'm not really one to have like big regrets mm -hmm. um and so i think that's been really good as well because like you know, if he like falls and, you know, I, I, I could have done something or I, I missed it or like he hurts himself or like, you know, those things aren't gonna, um, I'm not really going to lose a lot of sleep over it. I'm just going to be like, all right, dude, you got to do better next time. <laughs> like you're trying your best, you're exhausted, but you got to do better next time. Like try your best more, try more of your best, <laughs> like 105% of your best if possible. Are you, um, are you documenting a lot? Yeah, we, uh, you know, I've been trying to figure out the best way of doing this. Um, we, I have like a little journal that's been a little bit difficult to keep up with. Uh, we obviously take just a, an obnoxious amount of photos and videos of this child. Um, and so we have a ton of content and media on him. We have plenty of photos, plenty of videos. Um, and I've been trying to figure out the best way of sort of like, cataloging it and putting it together um right now it's all just like interspersed in like iphoto so we yeah. have to figure that out yeah but it's hard again, I've got, we've got like a, we have like a hard drive of mm -hmm. you know the kids photos from whenever you know every time we get a new phone or something like that and it kills me that i don't go back and look at it enough you know yeah. or, or remember it enough one thing we did um we do calendars every year just just a 12 month calendar you can do it on like apple or whatever and just pick them pick every month pick like our favorite photo and that's been really cool like we give it to family members we haven't done it in years but like when the kids were little up until probably high school we did that and that was a lot of fun a, a nice way to just kind of go back and look at sort of like your highlight reel from the year before i like that that's a really good idea we've been trying to figure out i mean we essentially once we had our our son and and the second we had like the first you know, like my dad's birthday is the, the day after or two days after my son's birthday. It's like right there. Mm -hmm. um, the first Christmas, like, you know, we're like, oh, for the rest of 
his like for the rest of our parents' lives, they're just getting photos of this baby for Absolutely. every occasion. Yep. And I was like, what else can we do that for? Like, where else can we do? Can we make like calendars a great idea? Like, yeah. I, I think every that Christmas, everybody be. gets a yeah. calendar every Christmas. Yeah. Make a hand print with the hand print thing. Yep, mm -hmm. that's Grand a good one too. That shit up. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. My, too. You know, my yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say my mom started a tradition too. I don't know. Um, do you celebrate Christmas? We do. Okay. So she makes an ornament once a year out of something that the, the kids wore, like an important piece of clothing. So like the outfit they wore home from the hospital was their one year ornament. And it's literally just like a, a circle with like some filler in it, you know, sewn with like a little ribbon, very simple. She's, she's a great sewer, but like, you don't have to be super talented, but she would do that. And then like the next year, my son like fell down the stairs and like, was in the hospital and had like a yellow shirt on that like got all bloody and we took like a clean part of the shirt and like we made an ornament out of the shirt because that was like a huge deal that year yeah. right? his second year like we'll never forget when he fell down the steps um and then we just get into like other things like cute little outfits or special little you know uh superhero costumes that you know things and she does that I dig every that. a cool little tradition too and then we have a tree that's just specifically this little like charlie brown tree and it's the kids ornament tree. Now, I think the a, a very topical question is uh, what would what would one get a first Mother's Day mother? What would one get a mother for her first Mother's Day? Because yeah, I, I already so given I've already given Katie what I, I know that she wants, which is um, she's getting a night away from from me. That's exactly <laughs> what I would say. A hotel room where she can go and sleep. There's I got her a hotel room and a massage, like, a night, like two, two spa days and a night in between at a hotel down the street in, in Pasadena. Absolutely. Um, that works. So it's like, I know that that's what she wants for sure. But like, yeah. you know, maybe there should be something else. Like maybe I should put something else in there. I no. don't know. I got to think about it. I think uh, maybe like, like handprints or something, but the kids handprints. So. I would have died for that right there, right there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You can't, yeah. You can't go wrong with handprints. You can't go wrong with yeah. uh any little, you know, finger painting thing that you can have him do on his own. That kind of stuff is cute. We've I have a folder somewhere in the attic with the that kid's stuff, but yeah. yeah. That's, I'll that's do I'll do that. I think I think that's probably what my did, move's gonna be. Did you give her a push present? Uh yes, I did. I got her a ring that says Magic mm -hmm. Mama. It's like a, it's the word magic mama, like wrapped around into a ring uh, awesome. that she still wears. She wears it all the time. Um, didn't know push presents were a thing. <laughs> she was very, very kind to let me know that those are a thing. And she was also kind enough to tell me exactly what she wanted. So <laughs> I just thought of one other good gift. Yeah. Um, his birthstone and something. His birthstone. What's July? I hope ruby. it's not diamond. Ruby. It's a ruby. Ruby. Okay, Ruby, I could do. Okay, Ruby, yeah. I could do. I'll figure that out. Like a necklace or bracelet, something like that. Moms yeah. like that kind of stuff too. You could even okay. probably do another little, like a like a ring with just a tiny little ruby in it and his name or something like that. You know, yeah. like a stackable mm -hmm. ring. That's pretty I have cute. A bunch of those. Mm -hmm. those are great ideas. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. Really going to make me look like a superhero <laughs> if I can pull it off. <laughs> like husband of the year right now. I forgot. You get to a point, Armin, where you forget it's even. I didn't even realize it was Mother's Day. Next I just weekend. learned like, it today. I'm not going to see. I probably won't see either of my kids on Mother's Day. So, and then it yeah, becomes yeah. the other thing is you have to remember your mom, right? Yeah. Like that's the part for me that I always. My mom always gets the shaft since I've had kids on Mother's Day, 
Yeah. Um, same thing with Father's Day. So it's a, it's a, it ends up being a weird holiday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I think, I think it's, it's, we're lucky enough that like, I see, I see my mom and dad regularly. Um, mm -hmm. You know, her, her family lives, like I said, in Washington state, we're actually going up there this weekend to be with her, her mom over mother's day. Cause her sister is also a mom. So it's like, it's really nice to, to be able to do that, I think. And um, my mom's birthday is next week. So we always do mother's day and her birthday around the same time. And so I'll, I'll be back in time to celebrate mom's birthday and hopefully you know, show her that I am actually a good son that loves and appreciates her. <laughs> right. Well, you notice I took a back seat to this whole conversation <laughs> and just let the two of them go. I've been married 25 years this May and I still don't have it down. So, I mean, yeah. congratulations on making it to 25 years. That's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big one. I mean, making it that far means you've done something right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've just learned to just give in. Yeah. <laughs> just give in. Fair enough. Ten years I fought back and then it would just didn't work anymore. Yeah. 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 I made a comment to my husband the other day who was saying something about he's the he's the CFO of this affiliate. It's the chief facilities officer. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the handyman. If something breaks yeah. or something goes wrong, you know, he's got all the tools and he fixes. And he was saying some we're putting a threshold in the garage that one of the back garage doors and I you know, he said, do you, what do you think about this? You think about that? And I said, I don't know. You're the boss. And he's like, really? Am I the boss? <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, yeah. okay, you're right. Maybe not. It's fun to pretend sometimes though, right? That's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Armin, we, we know that you had this baby and we also know as CrossFit nerds that you've taken a step back from the CrossFit space. Yeah. So was that a conscious decision or was it a lack of time or did you go in a different direction? Um, it was a little bit all of the above ish. Um, you know, we're, our, Lev was born the week of the games, um, or maybe the week before the games. I mean, it was within a week of the games last year. So with like, you know, a one week old, I covered the games the best I could, you know, from, from the house. I, I set up like, you know, live watch alongs and stuff. I scheduled it to make sure, you know, Kate was good with me. Know, disappearing for a couple hours at a time. I pick, I did pick and choose my battles to see which events I was going to cover and which ones I wasn't. Um, and it's, it's now I'm thinking back on it, it was quite a blur. You know, like I, I really don't remember that first like month or six weeks or so of, uh, of Lev's life um, because there's so very little sleep. Um, but yeah, I, I was burnt out on covering CrossFit a lot by the time that he was born. Um, you know, it was 2019 was, was a big year. I traveled a lot. I was at a lot of the different events. Um, I traveled to a lot of different sanctional events. Um, I was at the games. Um, uh, you know, I just, it was, it was a lot. 2019 was a lot of work. And then obviously the 10 years leading up to that, that I was still covering CrossFit, you know, added up a little bit. By the time, you know, all the COVID shutdowns happened, by the time 2020 happened, um, and then it was, you know, the whole Greg Glassman thing, and then it was, you know, CrossFit gets sold, and what does that mean for CrossFit? What does it mean for the future? Um, I just felt like at a certain point, I was kind of repeating myself. I like felt like I was just saying similar things over and over again, and the people who listened uh, either agreed or disagreed and kind of brought up good points or 
in both directions. And the people who heard what they wanted to hear generally tended to just assume that I was saying something that I definitely wasn't, um, which is just common for the internet in general. And I felt like I kind of got my point across in a lot of ways. And by the time we sort of did this insane, like third trimester cross country move, um, and then like a couple months later had a baby. By the time that happened, I was just really worn thin by the, the CrossFit, not like the community, because that was a hundred percent the best part of everything that this thing has to offer. But I was just worn thin by the organization, like CrossFit as an organization wore me out to the point where I just could not. I could not see myself like, especially once Lev was born and I kind of felt this really monumental shift in my priorities. The time that I was spending covering CrossFit as an organization felt poisonous. It just did not feel right. Um, so for about a month or two after he was born, I still had a couple podcasts and stuff that I had inter uh, interviews like scheduled. So I did that and then I took a little bit of time and maybe a couple months later, I started doing um, these uh, these podcasts called Father More, where I was interviewing other dads. Uh, and I loved doing that. I mean, that was awesome. I got a chance to talk to, I think I did a dozen episodes. Um, I got a chance to talk to dads in a ton of different environments um, with a lot of different um, experiences, adopted fathers, uh, you know, kids, uh, dads with like newborns, like me, you know, Belner, who has a son who's just a month or two older than, than my son. Um, you know, men with like grown adult children who talked about, you know, the things that they would do differently or the things that they would remember or, or focus on with their kids growing up, you know, all of that was really great to me. And, and my perspective on that is that it was a great concept and it was a wonderful podcast. And if I could do it, I would continue doing it, but I, I didn't structure it right. And I just bit off way more than I could choose. So by the time, you know, Lev was like four months, five months, six months, that was about when I was doing all those interviews. I mean, I was spending, I would say I was spending an inordinate amount of time focusing on this, on that podcast. I was, I was trying to do too much of it myself. Um, and I didn't have a good structure in place for it to be, you know, easily repeatable. And by the time the holiday season rolled around and it was more challenging to schedule interviews, and it was more challenging to find the time to do all the editing and all the posting. I was like, I can't, like, I, I think that was probably the healthiest decision that I've made in terms of like being a content creator. It was like, I actually saw the red line coming and I was like, this is going to become a problem. I need to slow this down right now. Um, so I think one day I would love to come back and continue doing those interviews with those dads um, and just sort of break out of the CrossFit space and interview other dads um, and learn from them. Because like, what do I know? I have, I have a nine month old, like I know some stuff, but like, I don't know a lot. And I think learning from talking to people is something that I, uh, I prefer to do. I prefer to have conversations like that and learn about other people's experiences. And so, you know, maybe that's something that I could come back to, but I really don't know um, I don't know if I'm going to be covering CrossFit really again. You know, I, I, something, I don't, I don't know the best way to describe it, but like something flipped. I just felt so burnt out from CrossFit as an organization. I felt so 
you know, like at a certain point when I'm getting pushed out by the main, you know, players in the space, like in the actual, like, oh, we run the sport, we run the business, like all those people, the event organizers were always really pleasant and nice to deal with. The sponsors and the brands were the best people on the planet. Some of my best friends I've met through the work that I was doing. The community was always amazing to deal with and to to be a part of and to have these conversations with. But like CrossFit as an organization was so challenging and it was so it like wore me so thin and it wore me down so quickly. Um like I didn't even come back and do a podcast after Dave Castro left CrossFit. That like that doesn't tell you how tired of CrossFit. Yeah. Like I like I could not speak about it anymore to the point where the and even like up until that point, I would have phone calls. I still have like weekly phone calls with people in the space because obviously there's people have questions, they want to know something that happened 10 years ago or whatever. It's like who else are they gonna talk to? Like I'm of course mm -hmm. still around to help and still around to be involved. And I want to continue helping my friends out. But like it, the week before Dave was fired, I was on a call and someone asked me the same question, which was like, do you think he'll come back and do do like do you think you'll tell any stories in the space again? And I was like, there's one story that I would ever want to tell, and it should have happened in 2018, and it should have happened in 2019, and it should have happened in 2020, and it should have happened in 2021, and it hasn't happened yet. And that's Dave Castro getting out of CrossFit. And the next week he was fired. And I was like, turns out I still don't want to tell that story. I've already talked about that ad nauseum that there's no like, I don't know what else to add. Um, you know, and I've kind of tried to keep up with what is happening with the people that I am closest with. And through them, I've kept up with what's happening in, in CrossFit as an organization. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Um, it's hard to say exactly where they're going or what they're trying to do. I mean, from a media perspective, they feel and look just as lost as they've ever been. From an organizational perspective, they look really um, like internally, each of the different departments seem to be like fighting each other in a weird way. Like the games are still like really, really secretive, even internally. And, you know, I think they're doing a much better job actually building an affiliate support inside of the business, which I think is fantastic. I've, I have some friends that work on that side of the business and it seems like they're doing some great things, actually reaching out and talking to a lot of the affiliates. Um, you know, I think from an education perspective, they're really sort of finally catching up to the 21st century. They're really changing and, and adding a lot of different things they should have added and should have changed over the past like six or seven years. Um, but it's really hard to say what the end game is going to be. You know, I thought Eric was going to last a lot longer than 18 months. I thought he was going to last at least three years. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really, really hard to say where they're going. But I, I know that for me, I just... I just can't, I don't see myself sitting down every day and talking about the same mistakes and the same decisions and the same sort of like hamster wheel that CrossFit HQ seems to be finding itself in consistently. Um, you know, I just wish that sometimes they did some things differently. And I just wish that sometimes they tried some things differently. You know, um, it, it really does feel sometimes like it's, it's Groundhog Day with HQ. For sure. Yeah, it's it would seem like you you mentioned it earlier that you would it was almost like you're talking about the same thing over and over again. And that's I feel, you know, for us as you know, as a media company and and 
really invested in CrossFit and the sport, that's what it's become. You know, we're seeing that as well, obviously, that it's just the same stuff kind of over and over again. And there, there's a lot of toxicity in the environment that it, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, it hasn't affected us in the same way because we're not quite, you know, as ingrained in it as you were, certainly. And we've only been doing it for, you know, a couple of years now. But, but yeah, I can see it's, it's a little like you're banging your head against the wall. Yeah, I think, I think the thing to remember, and I think some people, people sometimes don't know, or sometimes because they see only a little bit of the content at a time, or they don't, they're not like as plugged in, right? You know, I love CrossFit. I think that's like something that should be really clear. Like the fact that for a dozen years straight, I basically did nothing but talk about CrossFit, whether it was like on a blog, on a podcast, on uh, my YouTube channel um, and cover CrossFit and try and, you know, really break it down and what's happening behind the scenes and why it's important and what it means and what it, what it could do in the future and what it could turn into. I think it's really clear that I love the thing and I want it to succeed. Um, and a differentiation that I made for myself and I tried to make for the people who would watch my content over the years is that there's a really big difference between the methodology and the company. And I actually, I even remember, I, I might've been the only person who ever did this, but I brought it up directly to Greg Glassman's face. One of the last times that I interviewed him, I told him, Greg, what are you going to do when you're not running CrossFit anymore? Because the organization needs you as kind of a spearhead but the methodology doesn't need the organization. So how do you, or how do you put this together? How are you going to, you know, how are you going, you can't put, you can't close Pandora's box. Once you open the methodology and people saw it worked and they loved it and they started doing it in their gyms, it was game over. Like at that point, it was like a doomsday clock for the organization. They need to figure out a way to keep themselves relevant and to keep themselves in, in the community in a really positive way. And I think they've succeeded in a lot of ways of doing that, but I think they've also failed in a lot of ways of doing that. Um, and for me, the methodology is still something that's really beautiful and pure and um, applicable. And I think that, you know, it really sparked personally a lot of change in my life and a lot of uh, things that I never thought I'd be excited about or interested in. I love training. I love training other people. You know, that's a, one of the ways that I've spent my time uh, over the past 10 months. So being home, I built essentially like what I consider to be the best gym in the city in my backyard. Um, you know, we poured a pad, I got a gazebo from Costco. I just filled it with, you know, rogue equipment and my old equipment from my house and my old equipment from my old affiliate. And we just like made this mishmash of all my stuff. And it's amazing. I mean, I, uh, I train out there. It's one of my favorite places to train. Um, you know, my brothers come and work out. Um, I train some jujitsu guys out of it. Uh, I train some friends out of it. Like, you know, it, it's, it's, I've essentially, it's, it's kind of strange that like, I kind of turned off the part of me that's doing the, what's happening in CrossFit as an organization. And I went back to the thing that I love the most, which was teaching, training, learning, doing, and being literally like boots on the ground in a gym space, you know, experiencing other people learning these movements or teaching myself again, a lot of the things that I might've forgotten over the years or going through these workouts again, like, you know, that has been how I've spent my time. And it's been amazing to kind of like shut off the part of me that was so uh, focused on the organization and just, you know, I don't have control of that. 
as much as I would want to do something differently or want them to do something differently, like I, I can't stop them from doing it the way they want to do it. So, you know, what do I have control over? I have control over my own time and my own focus. And that's kind of, you know, it's, it's a shift that has ac absolutely happened. And I feel healthier for it, to be honest with you. I, I feel better, you know, not being dialed in and plugged in and knowing exactly everything that CrossFit is trying to do and, and what, where they're going, because like I said, for a long time, it really did feel like it was the same thing over and over again. I feel like you can go back to my last 14 months of content, basically from when, um, you know, from when the COVID shutdowns happened to when, you know, Greg's uh, uh, exit and departure happened and sort of talking about the future of where CrossFit should go and the things they need to fix. You could take those videos and you just basically re re-release them almost exactly as is and we're still talking about the same problems that they have back then as we have right now which was a lot of the same problems they had five or six years ago and those were the same problems they had five or six years before that and suddenly you're looking at this really weird cycle that's like okay maybe i need to like unplug myself from the cycle for a second <laughs> and and sort of allow it to do my thing because you know bashing my head against the wall over and over again hoping they do something different isn't going to get me there so two, two quick things. One is I think what we miss as a CrossFit community is your moral compass as kind of the spokesperson for the people wanting CrossFit to do better. And you did that for a very long time and you fought very hard during the time. So I can see where that would wear you down. I appreciate hearing that. Um, that, that does mean a lot to me. And I mean, I, I, I think, again, it's like, I think people always, some people take the most, um, like the least charitable view of what I do and what I did. Um, and they would always say, oh, he's just an outsider. He's just a hater. He doesn't, he's, oh, he's just not invited to play in the club. And it's like, you know, nobody knows, but when, when, um, CrossFit first sold and Eric came in, I had some conversations with his sort of like chief of staff with his his like inner circle of crew. And I was like, here, here's my CV in case you don't know, here's the role that you don't have, have never had and absolutely need to have. And here's why from a strategic point of view, this work that you've never done needs to happen in order for CrossFit to get to where you're saying you want it to go. And I basically got crickets back. I mean, I followed up multiple times over several months. This was like late 2020. And I know like, you know, it was all hair on fire at that point, but there's gotta be some point where it's like, there's downtime and they're like, oh, by the way, you know, this guy who's like one of the loudest voices in the space, who always has all these different criticisms also is like a professional in the, in the content creation media space has these suggestions. Maybe we should talk to him and listen to him or just see what he has to say behind closed doors. And those conversations never came, came to light. I mean, I, I tried to be a part of you know, it's like, be the change you want to be, right? Or you right. want to see. I tried to do that. I tried to be involved in CrossFit from a professional perspective and say, hey, here's this, here's what I can bring to the table. And it, it just kind of fell on deaf ears. Um, and still to this day, even with the playbook that I laid out for them, um, saying, here's what I think that you need to do and here's where it needs to go and here's how you need to structure this, it still hasn't happened. And it's kind of frustrating to see that, you know? So yeah, I, I appreciate hearing that. And, and, you know, I never wanted to like set myself up as like some sort of 
like moral high ground. I'm just a guy who loves to work out, you know, and I've been around the space for a long enough time that I've made a lot of relationships and I know a lot of the, the history and I, I kind of, you know, have a background in the, the, the business side of every aspect of this industry and other industries. So like I kind of can put these different pieces together and combine that with like, you know, I, I'm pretty good at taking relatively complicated things and simplifying it into things that are a little bit more understandable. And that was kind of my road. That was my lane. I, I tried to do that as best I could. Um, so yeah, it really, it, it feels good to hear you say that. I appreciate that. And I think your perspective, you have like an enlightened perspective and your delivery is not, um, your content isn't gimmicky, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. it's sort of what you see is what you get, but, but very much so you can tell that, you know, you care about the space and you know so much about it. So, um, you know, I would like to see you and Brian Friend take over. Yeah, I, I love cool Brian. Brian's great. Little duo right there. Yeah. My, my follow-up to that, Armin, was, and I, you pretty much already answered it, is when Eric took over, did you have hope that things actually were going to change? And then when they didn't, it was just kind of that last straw. You know, I, I, I did, and I still kind of do. Um, I think, I think I projected onto Eric a lot more of my own, you know, thought processes. It's kind of, it was kind of like a feedback loop. You know, I saw, I saw like kind of like this, this frame of who he was that we all first were introduced to. It's like, oh, had a really successful uh, tech business, sold it to Oracle understands how to run large teams, understands, you know, the importance of technology and data, has some private equity backing to him that wants to make a return on their investment and understands that things need to be updated and changed. May not necessarily know exactly what he's getting into because like God knows whether, you know, the organization under Greg kept great books or kept great, um, uh, you know, sort of metrics. So like all these things, like I, I kind of saw the frame of what he was and I was like, wow, like this is, if there's any way that's going to come in and break this down to like its core and understand where this needs to go and have a vision for it, it's this guy. Um, and then I would hear him say things and I'd be like, that makes a lot of sense. Like that's exactly how I would do it if I were to move in this direction. And then, you know, I would make some content and say, you know what, based off of what he's saying, it looks like you might want to do X, Y, and Z. And you know, in order to do that, he's going to have to set up this type of a team and set up this type of a relationship with his affiliates that they've never had before. Maybe they do payment processing. Maybe they do, you know, back of the house membership. Maybe they offer those things as sort of a, you know, add on to the affiliate fee. You can still be a base affiliate, but they have upcharges that, that do your accounting for you, do your payroll for you. And then if they do those things, then they know, like they know what the average pay is for a coach. Then they can use that to sell more L1s because then they know what the ROI for the L1 is going to be. You know, then they know like you know, pri like price per square foot for your lease versus how much you're trying. Like all of these things became really clear to me. Of okay, here's where he's going to have to take this. Like if he wants to make a return on this huge investment over the next five to ten years, this is where he's going to have to take it. He's going to have to do those things. And here we are like a couple of years later, we haven't really seen those things materialize. Um, you know, we've seen a couple of acquisitions that kind of move in that direction. You know, they, 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 uh, acqui hired ham plan that's running now cap. Um, but 
you know, cap is a great idea, but seems kind of adrift. You know, I think it hasn't quite found its lane yet. Um, especially considering it's kind of competing with CrossFit.com's programming now. And like, that's another thing that seems a little confusing to me, like why they would do that. And I think at the end of the day, like, you know, there was a lot of, I had a lot of ideas and a lot of hope and a lot of, you know, I was reading into it the most positive way I could, which was very he's going to make a ton of, yeah, I was very optimistic. He's going to make a lot of changes. They're going to hurt at first, but they're going to make CrossFit into like a billion dollar brand that everyone is going to really be a big part of because I didn't, I didn't mourn the loss of what CrossFit was. Um, I know a lot of people did, and I know a lot of people are kind of hung up on that, but to be fair, like the thing that was CrossFit in 2014, it's gone. It's gone and it's never coming back. The thing that was CrossFit in 2008 is gone and it's okay. It's okay that it's gone. It's okay that there were people like me who were like, oh, there's three affiliates within a hundred miles of where I live. I guess I'll pick the closest one. Like that's okay. And then you go and it's like, you're in a park. There's one kettlebell and like a band and they're like, we're going to figure it out. It's going to be great. And it's like, this is awesome. I love this. And it's okay that now you know, the facilities are nicer and the coaches are more professional and the athletes are better than they've ever been. This is just part of the growth of the entire ecosystem. If it was the same as it was back then, it would be dead. It, there's no way it'd be able to be the thing it is and be as culturally important. And I think people lose sight of that, of like, Greg changed strength and conditioning and working out for the entire world. Mm-hmm. Like, if you if you look on Instagram's, you know, like fitness highlights or reels or whatever, anywhere, what do you see? Kettlebells, barbells. You see a guy in a gym doing like plyo push-ups and like clapping and stuff. But what's in that gym? There's a rig in the back mm-hmm. and that rig has Rogue written on it and there's barbells. And it's like, oh, it went from these weird guys in the corner of like a dusty gym doing squats to everybody is doing squats to like if you're not squatting then you're unhealthy or if you're not moving some weight then you're not really healthy or if you're not combining high intensity interval stuff with some gymnastics with some like body weight stuff with some weightlifting then you're not really doing it right and it's like oh where did that come from that came from crossfit that came from greg creating this thing and it being like the spark that lit you know, all the brush and created this like unstoppable fire that just like destroyed the fitness industry that was back then and completely like rejuvenated it into the thing it is now. So saying, oh man, I'm, I'm mourning the death of what CrossFit used to be, that kind of is is doing it, doing CrossFit itself a disservice. Like the methodology is that viral. It's that like visceral that it's taken over um, the lives of so many people and it's changed the way that like fitness is experienced across the world. And it's a beautiful thing that it's not the same as it was 15 years ago. It just hasn't necessarily lived up to its potential. And it just seems like it's not making the changes it needs to in order to make that next step, that next jump to be even more ubiquitous and even more influential. Well, I think that's a good place to jump off the CrossFit piece and Donna Murphy actually sent in a question um, because, and I think this is something I kind of want to hit on. We never got to last time because uh, we went long, 
but you know, Cliff, Kyle, Chase, and you did sand for years. Yeah. There and we Donna did. makes a good point. You barely talked to CrossFit. <laughs> That's is true. It, First of all, it, is I, it ever coming back? I, I mean, before I answer the question, Donna, I love you. Hello. Uh, if you guys don't know, Donna's Chase's mom. So Donna's the best. <laughs> uh, uh, I love you very much. Uh, thank you very much for sending Chase over when you did to this to, to Austin. It, it's been a big, big, big part of my life ever since. He's he's wonderful and he did a great job with your son. Um, <laughs> to answer your question, uh, it, it's really hard. I I did the I did the remote podcast thing for a while after I moved to Austin. I did we did the podcast remote for a year and a half, and I really, really don't like remote podcasting to do that regularly. Like hats off to you guys for being able to pull it off. Um, remote podcasting to me is a, a bigger challenge than almost any other part of doing the whole podcast deal. Um, you know, and so much of what made scales needed, like this, like beautiful, chaotic, like, I don't know, fart in the wind of like a podcast of like what it was all about was just like the insane energy of being in Cliff and Kyle's like dirty living room or like my patio or what, like, you know, it just the, the, the fact that we were all sitting next to each other in the middle of all this insanity and having conversations about, you know, Denis Villeneuve's newest movie or like, you know, they would always come back to like David Lynch's movies or like, you know, what's going on in CrossFit. Like the fact that we were able to do that in person, I think is really where the magic was. And sure. it's more um, organic that way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And maybe, you know, maybe I never was able to make the the remote podcasting thing work because I, I did very, very little pre-production. I'm a big like, let's sit down, let's start recording and then let's see where this conversation goes. Um, so like doing pre, pre-pro of like, okay, here's what we're going to talk about and here's our run of show. Like I never mm-hmm. was into doing that. Um, so yeah, maybe that that's why remote podcasting never worked for me, but um yeah, yeah, I think I think I think scale is needed is on uh, a very very long potentially uh, interminable hiatus. <laughs> and I I want to bring up Chase a little bit because we've become friends with Chase. He's become a really good friend of the show. We actually just signed with him and C C4. four. Oh yeah, congratulations! Um, and so he talks about you like like a father in Austin that you had a, you were like his mentor and you leaving really impacted him a lot. And I don't, I don't know if you heard the interview we did with him, but he does talk about you very, um, very, very much in a, in high regard. And I just wanted to get your opinion on that Um, as a follow-up. You know, I, I did a lot of things uh wrong that i would like redo i think effect like the the effective you know end result of my work in austin when i was at flow and i was when i was doing my own thing i did a lot of things that i would do differently knowing now a lot more about how the business works and a lot sort of like where we're gonna go the absolute number one best thing i ever did was hire chase like there's no doubt in my mind that that is the best like to this point probably 
personally and professionally, the number one decision I've made in that in that entire part of my life is like hiring Chase and having him be so excited and getting him out to Austin so that he and I can like riff off of each other and build a relationship. It was uh, it was by far and away like the best possible thing I could have done. Um, Chase is is a really really special dude i mean like i i think in you know five to ten years the work that he's doing and like where he's going to be professionally is going to be astounding um for a lot of people and thinking that i've been able to sort of help him in that you know i'm not even going to say like guide him is like too strong of a word um just being able to have been like a sounding board for him um, being able to sort of give him a little bit of perspective sometimes and him give me some perspective sometimes like being there uh, and seeing his development is is really really amazing um, like I love that guy he's the best well one thing I've learned is you definitely surrounded yourself with the smartest people um, <laughs> and if people don't know Chase is like he was academic all-american he was like smartest of the smart and and cliff and kyle the same way yeah you know you you definitely surround yourself with the best of the best um so my last question to you for me is what is your what are your future goals there in california are you building a new network of people like that or is that just never going to happen again yes i mean i hope it happens again at some point um you know it really was lightning in a bottle in a lot of ways um you know cliff kyle chase uh that is that is a group of people i think are, are going to be impossible to replace um i think that entire sort of community that we built the the friends and, and the family that we had out there um are going to be difficult and then professionally for myself you know being involved in um being involved in flow you know, the, the, the community of creators that were the working there and the professionals that I was surrounded by, you know, you guys got to see Cliff and Kyle and Chase. And those were the relationships that I like most strongly bonded in, uh, through that, that time and flow. But there was a lot of really, really talented people at that company that, that I learned a lot from, um, you know, and I think, I think these days, you know, I, I would probably be more inserting myself into a, an existing circle of professionals as opposed to trying to build one around myself. I mean, I, I, one of the things that, so, you know, we talked a little bit about how I don't, I don't do regret. You know, I know that the decision I make at the time is, is the right decision based off of the information that I have. One of the decisions that I was very consciously making constantly throughout the time that I had my channel going was how I was going to monetize it. I am incredibly stubborn and maybe it's like a weird pride or maybe it's like a weird ego thing, but from a, from a, a, a just a purely philosophical perspective, I never wanted to be beholden to advertising revenue. I never wanted to be beholden to, you know, sponsorship. Um, I never wanted those things because I felt like the message that I was trying to get across would be watered down by having those types of professional relationships. 
But on the flip side, I did a really terrible job of monetizing my my work in any other way, you know. So uh, I was never really successful in trying to find where the other side of that is, right? If I'm not being paid by sponsors or if I'm not being paid by, you know, events or or whatever, right? Someone needs to be funding all of this process and, you know, ad revenue through YouTube is not what, you know, people try and convince you it is, it's not going to happen. Right. And so I think looking back on like, you know, the, the professional decisions that I made, that was, that was very conscious and absolutely the wrong decision. <laughs> because You know, there's, there's like, you know, you get worn thin by the work you do, but if you have like a pile of cash to like, you know, put that that being worn thin on you kind of you could get a buffer there uh cry, that, cry that into a bag of money right yeah yeah exactly you're like it's, the, it's like that meme you're, i'm like patting my eyes dry with hundred dollar bills that would make yeah. me feel a lot better okay um you know so i think i think you know looking back at how lucky i was to have like all of these really powerful positive relationships professionally and and grow and develop professionally and learn so much not just from my successes and failures and mistakes, but also from watching their successes and their failures and their uh, their mistakes and, and how they bounce back from them. Um, that's just something that that you, I, I can't, I don't even imagine how I could proactively recreate that. You know, I just have to be able to be open to that occurring again and being in the right environment for that sort of thing to, to happen. And, you know, I'll never replace Cliff Collin Chase. I mean, it's it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Um, but you know, maybe professionally, I can find a couple people to take their spots. It's like Moneyball, I can Moneyball maybe each of those people in a little bit. I know exactly how you feel. I wouldn't replace these ladies either. Um, uh, and after a couple of years, man, we're just like family. So. Yeah. I I have no more questions. Yep. If the ladies have some, I'll turn it over to them. Good. You know I do. You know I do. Oh. Um, did you read the rule book this year? I I skimmed it. I was like I was like okay. so I was like so I was like so ready to be like give me something new and like I skimmed through it and I was like you didn't give me a lot of new stuff guys. Come on. It was it was the one time where I really missed you being around because I always looked forward to you sort of whittling away at you know the details and getting to the like the hard the hard truths of, of yeah. the rule book. So I was like, darn it. Like, I got to read this now. <laughs> read the whole thing. Yeah. 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 The, the, um, the, uh, the desire to like deep dive into those, those types of details definitely was one of the first things to go. <laughs> uh, I bet. Um, if you were still in the space, is there an athlete that you've not talked to before that you are like, that you would be itching to talk to? Um, Probably Anybody Mal O'Brien. Yeah, probably Mal. Do you um, think you'd actually get access to talk to her? Because I have a pretty like decent relationship with Matt, and I think I'd be okay. able to leverage that okay. You know, if, if there's there's some athletes that I've been able to keep well in touch with. Not like, I, there's nobody who's like competing at a high level that I'm talking to like on a weekly basis, but there are people mm -hmm. who I know that, you know, I can text them where I can call them and they'll pick up and they're, right. and they know the same thing that like, I'll get text messages and I'll get calls from some of these athletes um, who have questions about various whatevers. Um, and they know that I'm still picking up those calls. And, yeah. you know, I think, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd be able to, you know, pull off getting access to Mal, but um, 
she's really interesting in a lot of ways. And I think there's, there's, I have a lot of curiosity as to, as to how, um, how she's going to do in her career moving forward. Have you pulled up the game's website lately? I haven't. Should I? No, I just was curious to know, like, if you looked at the leaderboard or if did you look at a workout? Did you do, you didn't do the open, did you? Or did you? Uh, I did not do the open. I had a rib injury, like with the week of the open. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So I just didn't put myself in a position to, uh, to, to be able to, to even do it scaled. Mm. Could you guys hold on one second? I'm so sorry. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> We've gone past the hour. Lev's up. <laughs> All right. So Jason writes in, uh, thank you for blazing a trail for wannabes like me, Armin. I legit would have tried. I would, wouldn't have tried writing about CrossFit if dudes like you didn't try to shake the CrossFit tree as hard as possible. Very cool. Thanks guys. Sorry. Our, uh, Kate, Katie had a question. I need to, I need to answer that. I was muted, right? You guys didn't hear what I had to say. No, we didn't hear what you had okay. to say. I said, I, yeah, I was, I was like, I was just answering a random, like whatever question for the house. And I was, I was like, did I just, did I just tell everybody what that question Anyway, We're on live and we all know. Yeah. It's like, now everybody knows like what the code to the house is. Right? Like, it's like, what's the security code for this thing? Um, thank you for blazing a trail. Oh, uh, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I was very well aware of, um, was the helping hand that I got from a lot of people in just content creation. Um, and every opportunity I had, I tried to make it really clear, like, Hey guys, there's nothing there's nothing to this, but trying it. Like if you're interested in creating content in any space, the only best way to figure it out is to do it. You know, you, you can't, you just, you can't like pine over it. You can't. And so uh, I always encouraged people to, to try and, and make content the best they can and, and enjoy whatever they could out of it. You know, sometimes people really took to it. Most of the time they didn't quite understand how much work it was going to be to begin with but there's there's really a beauty to being able to like pick up a camera or you know sit down and write an article or write a blog post and i think that's a really good place to start for a lot of people like if they're looking to you know scratch some sort of like a content creation itch it's like volunteer to write a blog post on your on your affiliates page once a week or once every other week or whatever your time allows you to do and see see what people think you know like that's a good place to start it doesn't have to be like Oh my god i have to compete against crossfit's production value or i have to compete against you know the buttery bros you know traveling around the world and their access to these athletes or you know brian's like you know encyclopedic knowledge of all these like esoteric rules and and events over the past 15 years you don't have to do that you know if you have something to say and it's interesting and it's it's topical i think you'd be surprised there are a lot of people who want to hear it mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. I've loved, as always, talking with you. And seriously, hit me up if you want to talk about kids sometime. I'll talk about kids anytime you want to. All day, every day. I All mean, day, we're constantly day. we're constantly talking about our, our our son. I mean, like 
you know, we talk about what do you think his voice is going to sound like when he starts saying his words? Oh my God, can you remember how tiny he was back and look at this picture of him? It's like, we just have, we're, we're constantly, even when he's right there, we're still talking about, <laughs> we're still talking about him. So like talking about him and talking about kids in general is, is 90% of our conversations these days. It, yeah. it really took over. And for our listeners who don't know, Amy is a co-director of a very well-renowned uh, preschool here in Columbus, uh, where they teach through play. Mm-hmm. That's and- awesome. Yep. Yes, I absolutely. Now I one hundred percent need to sit down and talk to you because we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with him as he's growing older, um, and how we want how we want him to sort of experience like you know schooling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I think there's that's a whole different world. Uh, trying to trying to answer that question with preschools and you know what what type of environment should he be in and what should he try and learn and what's the angle like what's the angle that it should be taught in and I got you. you know, yeah, cool. yeah. I, I I need your I need your email or your phone number or something. Okay. So can, Scott will send it to you. Scott will send it yes, to you. Please. Okay. Please. Well, thank you so much, Armin, for joining us uh, and taking some time out. We know you're busy with uh, the little one now, and and I hope Lev is doing great in Katie too, and I'm sure she's going to enjoy that night away at the hotel. Yeah. In a week. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Scott, Kat, Amy, really appreciate you guys uh, talking to me and and giving me the opportunity to talk to you guys. Um, you know, I, I really do love engaging with the community and and being a part of it in just the little ways that I can these days. So. Thank Come you so much, anytime. Guys. Yeah, for sure. See ya. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.